This the bruise of paradise, come a connoisseur is gonna share advice Well they'll sleeve it up, shuffle at the pub, gonna spice it up Grape shots are doubled, Tony's your pony but sees the mirror Sees the future, always crystal clear, yeah Punishing waterfalls, let's go again Powerful Jedi on my knee walking Riddle me this, who's a killer bee? Fiddling with broken legacy, finding outcomes that are so paradoxic Those LEDs were lined with toxins, so many rubies you think it's Tuesday Bruise on tap, that's a draft, can you say reforce the soul? That's busted, pack it up, savage, look, that's so disgusting Well that's busy, vision's hazy, thank you for the follow these bristle taste there For the Republic we combo off, letting so many beef stroking off Flashback echoes, sip for secco, bit of bubble, burning, wish for tendrils Dark and stormy always gets me horny for a goblin orgy that's empty warren The bruise of paradise, from the crowd of tours, gonna do it live Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Bruise of Paradise. I am Tony Scaponi uh, and I'm joined here by Killaby and Punishing Waterf- Waterfalls. Of course, Arkin, uh, who is on the cast, is the one who is rotating out this month, so you'll get to hear from him next episode. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show and you want more content from us, look right in the description. You'll see all of our links there, so check that out. And uh, before we get into the first topic, uh, we're going to jump right into a pre-show here. So uh, if you want to support the cast and you want to know more about us personally, uh, then go on our Patreon. That will be in the description below as well. And uh, you can jump right into a pre-show. Maybe I'll see you there. If not, we will jump right into the main topic. All right, moving right into our main topic here. We just did a recording of our pre-show, so if you want to hear some uh, silly stuff that we were chatting about before this, go on into our Patreon, sign up, and check it out. But uh, So our topic is how to get better as a brewer, and I think immediately to answer that question, um, you got to get better as a player. You know, if you're not you're not a legitimately competitive player, I think for the most part you're going to struggle uh, in creating, you know, a successful brew. But I, I will say initially, I know the topic is how to get better as a brewer, so you know, presumably you're looking to do just that. But it's worth asking yourself, like, what do you? What's your goal? You know, are you just trying to uh, improve within, you know, a, a group of friends? Are you playing, I know this is a legacy podcast, but maybe you're playing C or EDH kitchen table with a few friends and you just want to get better there, you know, or maybe your goal is to just have fun. Or maybe your goal is to, okay, you're not playing something competitive, um, but because you're doing a specific thing that you just really want to do and you want to make at least that as competitive as possible, a lot of this this stuff can be, uh, you know, helpful because I have found that even if I think something isn't good enough, right, maybe I'm halfway through the process or even right from the get-go, but I just want to, I mean, for me, I am creating content, right? So like if I get an idea, I want to push it as, as good as it can be. And it's often a worthwhile exercise because they'll print cards that all of a sudden, uh, give it a buff and maybe it does become legitimate. So I have, you know, just piles and piles of lists on my Moto, 
account that I, I don't really get rid of any of them. I should probably take some time, maybe get rid of some of them, but I oftentimes look back on them and they'll, they'll really help me. I mean, recently building Jewel, um, when I had a new idea to plug into it, I had a, a pile of lists to, that were already built. You know, sometimes when you start from scratch, it can be um, a, a lot to tackle. And, you know, invariably, at least I miss a number of things if I'm just literally starting from scratch that kind of smooth themselves over as you, you start the list. So it's nice to be able to just take something that's already created and say, well, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, or we're adding that, adjusting uh, accordingly. Um, so uh, to get better as a player, so initially, and I did this in full force, I'm very methodical in really just how I strategize uh, in general. And when I started playing Legacy again, my goal was to get as good as I can uh, as quickly as possible. So, but the first thing I did was taper my expectations, right? Like I didn't expect to just be rolling people right away. All I, my, my goal was to learn. I wanted to learn as much as possible you know i bought into burn because it's cheap and i can get more familiar with the format and um i played a lot i was playing two weeklies and listen that's that's a huge thing it, it's one it, when i do coaching sessions it's one of the first things that i ask is you know, are you looking to get out of this and if someone's looking to you know get better with the deck or with whatever they're trying to get better with one of the first things i ask is how much do you play if you don't play a lot you're probably not going to be that good you know experience does to an extent wind up in the bank so to speak so like if you did play a lot for in a, for a long period of time it's not like you take a one-year hiatus you come back and you're back at square zero no but just like anything any sport video game whatever it is if you're not playing that much you're going to be rusty right or at least if i don't play that much i get rusty if i don't play in paper you know we can't all be uh, punishing waterfalls in top eight uh, of <laughs> a legacy pit after not playing paper for for a while. So many but, years. Hey, ago. maybe maybe you wouldn't have gotten knocked out in the top eight if you know you had been playing a little bit. Or Just you high roll, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's how you, that's how I beat you, right? You you, you low rolled one game and you high rolled the other, and it's like, all right, well, that's the name of your gay deck, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your deck was not happy to to run into mine. No, it was literally. I was like, I felt good about anyone except Tony. Like literally, <laughs> I was like, oh, so. But uh, but no, I agree. I mean, like one thing is like you can equate almost anything, like especially like things like you know, say going to the gym, like you know when you're lifting weights, this and that, and. You know, if you stop going to the gym, it's like you're not going to be when you go back, you're not going to be at where you were the first time you went to the gym ever. You know, you're going to be somewhere in the middle. And it's like it's sort of you 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 already developed this base and now you can sort of go back and work on it again. And it's sort of like I could say that going to the gym because I always like I'm at, I'm at a good point right now with it. But there's always like when I you know, when I then you know, with the baby's born, I probably won't be able to go as often as I'm going right now and things like that. And, you know, who knows how that tail spins. There's like when you go back, it's like that. So uh, I've never really taken like a hiatus from magic. You know, like I said, no one ever quits magic. They always just take breaks, right? Like, <laughs> people always just come back. And, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, for sure. It's like, it's like whatever time you put in. And, and this was especially true during like the top miracles era. Like the people who were like good with the deck, you know what I mean? Like they're not doing these, like they know exactly what they want to do. They spin top, they put it back. They know what they already, they, they, they're always remembering what's there. They're not doing those end of turn spin, wait a second, and then spin again, like just to double check and remember. And they end up going to time, you know, and something like that. It's like I, I, as you get those reps in and you, and you do these types of things, it almost becomes muscle memory for, for a, especially if you focus on one archetype anyway. Yeah, I mean, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just may, maybe um, the uh, getting 
better as a brewer and player, of course, it's it's linked together, but it's not always synchronized because you can make a good brew to a certain point and you you cannot finish it completely. But you don't have to because if you uh, and then that's uh, one big issue we've uh, uh, not talked about, but everybody has already talked about that. Uh, get help from others, like spread your ideas, and somebody else will take it and uh, do a little bit of work on it, and someone else will do yeah. a little bit more. And yeah, that's how we we polish the stuff. But we don't have to. Um, you you don't have to do all these reps with a deck to get better at the brewer in general because uh, the the ba getting the basic idea of a deck rolling uh, you don't have to do that much playing i don't think so sure. yeah i mean even to what we were, we were talking about before with interlapping uh from other games i mean i've been playing various games basically throughout my life and those have a lot of basic concepts that i you know practice and improved upon over my li life without playing magic that help me when i do play magic right or even forget games entirely course, yeah. like you're talking about um or we were talking about you know being able to learn from other people right so basically having humility um being teachable uh, this is something that I know we've talked about before that I am recovering addict, right? Almost nine years clean. And for a number of years, I went to uh, a lot of Narcotics Anonymous meetings and uh, a lot of what you're taught there is humility. I mean, the basic concept is that what I was doing wasn't working, right? No matter what, because I, I mean, I tried to get clean for years, right? And it wasn't until I understood that I can't do it myself. I need help from others. I need to listen to others, hear how they did it, and take some suggestions as to what they did and see if maybe something other than what I've been doing uh, might work. So that was an important uh, thing for me then, and it continues to help me now. In addition to that, like you go to, uh, not, I won't go too far into this, but you go to these meetings, right? Anybody can go into an NA or AA meeting and say anything right so it's it's it was important to develop the skill of taking what you needed and leaving the rest right so i can consume content right and i can not even like a portion of it and it doesn't matter because i'll leave that i don't need it right i'll take i'll take what i need and, I, and i'll leave the rest same thing with playing in matches you know uh, i i think a lot of my success is due to being able to absorb uh what is important and when i first jumped back in this last time in 2017 is when i jumped back into legacy uh, playing burn which by the way i went 18 and 4 and my first like bunch of matches coming back into the format with burn and a lot of that is because i played a lot of burn back in college and and whatnot you know i wasn't going in completely cold i would ask people when i lost or even when i won you know what do you think i i, I could have done were there any errors flagrant errors that that you had seen and my goal was to find good players and and learn from them you know basically just just being a sponge <laughs> uh yeah what was it hold on like that's what um uh hold on it's almost exactly what uh 
Shaquille O'Neal had said one time, and, and, and he goes like, I, "I have a lot of smart people around me," and because 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 uh, I'm not kidding, like he's like a multimillionaire, he's like a franchise owner now, right? He owns all these businesses, like he's he's a very smart person. And well, something what he did was whenever he's in a room with all these smart people, they're talking. He just he's like, "I love being around some people smarter than me," because then you just you see him, he's like taking notes on whatever they say, and. <laughs> Literally, like, doing this and that and, like, listening to people and, and it sort of helped him, uh, uh, like, become this franchise owner and become this person who now, like, yeah, I forget, it's like Five Guys and Dollar Stores or, 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 you know, whatever he owns now, but it's, like, setting up a legacy, you know, where a lot of people don't do that and it's, you know, he came up with a sneaker line uh, in Walmart because uh, one time a woman came up to him and said, how come, like, these NBA stars don't have anything, like, I can afford you know, for my kids, like, I can't afford Jordans, I can't afford this. So he comes out with a shoe line with Walmart, you know, and now, like, you know, he's able to afford... So he, from listening and listening to this, he could just say, I'm a millionaire, I don't care what anyone else thinks, like, I'm going to do my own thing, I have money to do my own thing, like, it doesn't matter. But he was able to take, even at that level, and that's really something that I found impressive, is, like, someone who is insanely successful, right, one of the best centers ever, and and one of the richest people, you know, in the country, definitely, you know, that top whatever percent. And he's still listening to these people, you know, who, who are around him, either smart people and people who just come up and approach him, and he turned that into even more money and more to become more successful, you know, and that's something that's sort of, like you said, you could humble yourself down, you know, and, and sort of say, hey, I don't know it all. And, you know, it does, whether magic or, or these other things. And I think that that's, that was like one of the best things I ever saw. And he literally just said, like, I love being around smart, smart people. Like, I don't say a word. I just listen. You know, and like you said, you just take it all in, take it all in, take it all in. And then you can sort of evaluate everything you took in later. And you sort of see what you said. I'm going to, hey, I like, you know, A, B, and D, cut out C. You know, I'm sort of going to rock with that. Yeah, it's one of, uh, one of the reasons why I started streaming is... I, I knew that if I wanted to play at a high level, um, you know, being nervous, everyone's going to get nervous to a certain, but the, the less nervous you be in even very high level uh, competition at later stages of top, you know, top A, top or whatever, um, the more success you're going to have. So it felt one of the ways that I could overcome that uh, was just streaming, having a bunch of people watching me while I play so that on a regular basis so that it's something that I am used to. And funny, I keep coming back to <laughs> Narcotics Anonymous, but it's some of the, some of the lessons within that program are just, they're just obvious like lessons about the life, basically about how to live. And one of the things that, that you would do is get up in front of tens, dozens, hundred you know large groups of people and just spill your guts just tell your story right and i've always hated public speaking absolutely hated and a lot of uh difficulties in in at least uh, my life and i began to recognize by listening to other people uh, in their lives came down to fear right because and one way to overcome fear is it just you know just ramming right through it so it was always a fear of mine you know, for instance, in, in college, I think I got, I had like basically an A plus in this class. And there was this presentation that we, had that was like a good 15 to 20, like 15% chunk of the entire grade. And I just didn't do it and wound up with like a low 80 score in a class that I could have just had like a straight up hundred, uh, just because I just didn't want to do this presentation. Um, so, and I, I've, I've, grown and developed uh, through and worked through that uh, significantly over you know through getting clean and and, and this and that and I knew that I needed to translate that into magic I knew that if I just like jammed 
on a computer it doesn't matter how good i got if i then just like showed up at a big event and even did well enough to wind up in the top eight just like old i you know my hands would be shaking like crazy like, you know what i mean i remember when we played in the top eight at the pit i just i was so comfortable there even at the top four like it's just it's i do it often enough now where it, it's it's comfortable and ultimately that is definitely where you want to be um yeah i mean you have to be comfortable if you're not comfortable <laughs> you know you're, you're gonna be you 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 know all the all your focus and attention you know on, on that and if you're like even whatever percent of your brain is just like worried or anxious or whatever and that happens to me like uh, for 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 magic tournaments or i, I typically play poker um uh, but if i play poker or magic tournament like it's always right at the beginning but like like the first the first round when I, once i sit down i'm like anxious yeah. and it's like it still happens to me it's like the first round i just need to like then I don't know why. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like high stakes. It's not the end of the world. Like it's not a big deal. Like it's like like a Harris on a Friday night, and it's just like. But still, like once I sit down, and maybe it's like a combination of excitement and just like being being happy to be there and just like being hyped up. You know that it sort of builds, but uh, it definitely can take away from um you know the focus and you know it's uh luckily like you know like and it's not even that, but it's like making decisions that when you sit like in front of people, right? You and I played in a feature match, and game two, I mold a four. And I was like, and think about like, and, I, and I'm shuffling. I'm like, people at home are watching me. Isn't like, the game you like, won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> to, to the point, though, right? It's like, it's like, and and I'm like, what crossed my mind just because we're on camera is like, am I gonna mold a four on camera? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, am I gonna make this? Like, am I really just gonna like? They're gonna think I'm so dumb. Like, you know, there's like you know, a couple hundred people watching, and I'm like, is it really like like this hand's like fine, right? Like, unless he has like a turn one relay, and it's like. You know, I, I would sit there and think about it, and it's just like, you know what? No, I need, I need to have something. You know, on turn one, I just can't. If I just go land, go and die on turn one, you know, or they really mean I die, like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna regret it. You know what I mean? So, fuck it. If I look stupid for mulling the four, I'm gonna mull the four. You know what I mean? And it's just, but it, but it was something that I actually thought about when I, I should have only been focusing on the game and not that. You know, mm -hmm. but it was like, luckily, I was happy in the end. I made, you know, I, I ended up making the. It worked out that game. Um, but it, it's just something else that could weigh on you, you know? I know, you'll find yourself having a thought like, wow, wouldn't it be sick if I, if I ripped it, like, on camera here? And yeah, or like, like, it's, it's like, like, like oh, what if I rip the thought season and just, like, just, like, windmill it, like, alright, like, or, no, I'm not so, gonna do anything cool, I'm, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to, like, make the correct decisions, you know, and just, like, you know, and just, if I mold a four and it's still bad, like, it sucks to be me, like, it's already a bad matchup, oh well, but, like, I'm gonna mold my heat card and hope for the best, you know, and... <laughs> I mean... Um, I, I would be, of course, if I would play in Paper Matrix, I would be stressed out, but I don't think I am affected by the stage of the game or the, or the stakes of the game. Um, if I'm playing top eight, I'm also four, I'm also three if, if necessary. Um, okay, okay, Mr. From... Mr. Mr. LED Echo, you can't talk about <laughs> mulling the three or two. All right, like, 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 don't get me with this bullshit. Like, hey, I can mold the two all the time. Like, yeah, because you draw seven right away. Like, like that doesn't count. Just mold to seven. <laughs> yeah, like, no. no. I, I mean, I'm so comfortable because I had so many reps with my decks um, that I rarely have to think twice about a mulligan. Or maybe that's a little bit of, of my, uh, my shortcoming. I mulligan too fast and don't think it's true but it, it really helps uh, to keep the stress level down on the uh, what, what you said before like uh, tony you, you said you uh, started streaming to uh, expose yourself 
um, to others, other opinions and uh, them helping you. I had a big problem, or still have a big problem, uh, that I don't know how other decks feel like, or I don't know how specific players or specific decks would play against my decks, um, because all of them are brews. So I right, don't. Yeah. And that I, I, you... play, I played like like uh, two weeks of Delver just to know how Delver feels. Yeah, it really helps. Otherwise, your Delver opponent just always has Force Days Wasteland with the turn one threat and the removal, and they're gonna draw into uh, exactly what they need. <laughs> yeah, it always I mean, feels like they have best case scenario, and then but if you play the deck, you realize like start looking you... at what the hands look and feel like. Yeah, you, you, you have to understand not just what you are losing against, but also um, why you're losing against it and um, what's the the chance to lose against it. If you take uh, Force of Will and Null Rod. Uh, Null Rod is a lot worse for me than Force of Will, but uh, I would not play uh, around Null Rod because I know most decks have one or two and uh, I can't really do too much without weakening myself to force of will and it's a way bigger threat except for the uh, non-blue decks of course that's no, uh, not a problem um so i'm going to run through some of these uh, a little bit quicker because mostly we want to get to how to brew better um yeah. But we've gone through a lot of this. I have a couple of things listed here. Of course, consume content from who you want to absorb from, right? So if you're looking to be, you know, a better control player, maybe go watch and listen to Bosch and Roll. If and there's podcasts too. I mean, I when I first jumped back in, I listened to. I literally tried to find every single possible legacy podcast, and I listened to them all like religiously. Um, Tusk Talk, uh, Legacy Breakfast, um, you know, the Brainstorm show or whatever it was with, with Hunter, um, Wilson, Wilson Hunter, um, you know, Leaving a Legacy. I just, I, like everyone that I could possibly find, I listened to and, and consumed um, just to absorb as much as I possibly could. Discord was a huge level up for me, absolutely huge. Um, you know, I only started using that in like 2018. And that's what really started digging me into the Ruby Storm community. Um, and you also don't like know where you stand in terms of like how good you are until you really start doing all these things, right? Until you start playing enough, talking to enough players, digging into the community and doing all these things, you don't really, it's, it's difficult to get a, a gauge of like how, how good you are, right? And how good the average person is. Um, play in front of people if you can, as often as you can. So talked about that. Remain teachable. We talked about that. So this is something I wanted to mention: the spectrum of playability, the willingness to to test the card, even if you think it might not be good enough, as long as it's close to right. Like to me, there's a spectrum. There's like unplayable, right? You're just not even going to consider it. Um, but the closer you get to playable, and even if like sometimes I'll see people talking about a card. I thought it wasn't good enough, but it's close enough where I'm like, well, I should try it because sometimes you're surprised. Sometimes um, you think a card's going to be great. It's not great, vice versa. And you really don't know. I mean, there's just so many factors in this game that you can have a, a good eye and 
you truly won't know until you just jam the card a bunch, right? Um, and then the card can change the composition in such a way that this changes, that changes, and then all of a sudden it's complete. You know, it's this new ma cards magic get is complicated. What's that? New cards get printed. Yep. Uh, go to larger events as much as possible so that it isn't foreign and uncomfortable to do so. Even just like, you know, if you don't travel that much and you haven't traveled in years and now you go to an event and you forgot your toothbrush and you, you know, didn't realize that you should probably set up the hotel in advance and now you can't find a hotel. I don't know. Whatever, like, crazy stuff that can happen if you just don't really travel. Now all of a sudden you are, right? Um just the whole the whole experience the more you do it the more you can get everything to be repetition aside from the nitty-gritty very complicated decision points in the games themselves the better you will do in those scenarios and in those games themselves as much muscle memory as you can commit things to uh the more brain power is is freed up for those really tough spots uh, goldfish 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 uh, i think we've mentioned this at least once every single episode as we should um i don't know how you guys do it but i literally have my deck by my bedside and i will often i don't do it as much now but i for for a while when i got home from work it was just like you know i i get out of my work clothes throw some comfy clothes on and i would just sit on my bed in and goldfish for even just like five minutes you know i just play a few hands because the addiction is very strong and like you know going that entire work uh day without playing magic like get home i gotta touch some cards but um, you don't bring it with you to work during your lunch break you're just in the break room gold fishing <laughs> <laughs> i'm like negotiating a, <laughs> selling yeah, like, a card can, 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 can you hang on a second can you hang on a second? Like, you're like, shuffle your card. Like, if I draw a grim monolith, you get 5% off. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I have here test out some other decks to get a feel for how they operate. So, yeah, you already mentioned that. Think about how a matchup plays out rather than best slash worst case scenarios. I feel like it's really easy to think of the best case scenarios, and that's probably the most common thing, but also worst case scenarios. What are you going to do if this happens? And it's like... It, it's more so, well, how often does that happen? And is it worth doing something in the first place? And then you can answer, okay, what are we going to do about it? But it's it takes foresight and experience having played the matchups. And this is kind of a catch-22 that occurs, right? Like, how are you supposed to think about how a matchup plays out if you haven't made the deck yet, <laughs> right? Like, that's that's kind of the uh, a large part of the uh, puzzle and difficulty in brewing is that it's it's a new enough idea where it's it's tough to think how that the matchup plays out right so you kind of do it to the best of your ability you make something and then you do some testing and then you see how it plays out and then you you know double back on it you you talk with the community um and slowly but surely you start you start building something and then this is the last thing about just being better as a player and then we'll move on to brewing specifically heuristics right um heuristics are obviously there for a reason they're very important to know and understand and use probably most often um but of course the separation from a good player to a great player is knowing when to break those heuristics they are meant to be broken they are meant to be broken they're literally just a baseline something to stand on something to look through as a lens for what you're actually doing and when i say broken maybe not broken in half right maybe slightly tweaked maybe you know whatever it is um well yeah on to just brewing better 
So initially, and this might be a little bit redundant from when we talked about uh, the brewing process, but um, I promise uh, the payoff is, is worth it here. So initially just recognizing a concept, and this is of course in the lens of um, trying to make a legitimately competitive deck, right? That's always... Or not always. Sometimes it's for content, but most of the time, I am I'm trying to break a deck. Right? Ultimately, you're trying to break it to the point where immediately it wins every single tournament. And they have to ban a card, and you go, "Ha ha! It's an old, you know, achieved." Um, but more so, you're just trying to make it as as good as possible, right? So I try to recognize a concept that can actually justify itself given uh, the deck's goal, right? So it. An example is uh, these blue combo decks that I've been playing and running an LED Echo version of it, right? It has to, that concept within a blue shell has to justify itself um, against the other LED Echo decks. And if it's not doing that thing better than those decks, then unless you have some sort of really good reason, and sometimes there is, sometimes you can recognize some sort of reason where there's a difference, there's some sort of pro um, that is different enough that it could be good, right? So it's worth exploring. Um, but generally speaking, that's you want to recognize a concept that, that has some sort of feasible, um, competitive, like, it can potentially either break or hang with the pillars of the format yeah no like that's like you said that's look at the deck we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about today look how they use you know Killaby is utilizing led echo right like if you you just straight up look at this compare your your paradox outcome or your jewel deck and you're looking at this like no it doesn't make sense to be like, like this is just gonna be like a strictly worse way to do echo like i don't have enough blue cards like like i like you know i'm not running the four chrome boxes i'm not running opals whatever those numbers are like however the math works out to be like i'm running too many lands you know he's only running 10 lands to make sure that every draw seven is going to be like dumping the hand right away being able to generate all this like all this value when your opponents don't have enough time to catch up and it's like yeah you have all these artifacts and everything in theory maybe sounds good to echo into like a grim monolith and some some very specific cards but at the end of the day you know you came to the conclusion like my paradox outcome is better they're Coveted Jewel is better than, <laughs> than the Echo of Eons here. Like, I'd rather just me draw three and make three, you know, get a little Black Lotus action, as opposed to just, you know, having us both redraw the seven. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to play your hand as quickly. That's uh, a really great example, because I actually had that on my list. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I wrote down, um, you should uh, fit your mindset to your idea. Like, uh, how do you want to brew, or what should your decks do? And for me, my decks always should win on turn one, or should be able, or sh the the main goal should be to win on turn one. That's for let's say 80 percent of my decks. And um, I tried a transmute artifact, which you have in your uh, jewel list, for like four weeks, and I always tried it um, as a turn one deck, which it just isn't, and because I. Uh, I don't stream and I have no uh, constant input. Uh, I just scrap the whole deck instead of staying with it and maybe get to where you are now and you uh, just figured out, okay, uh, it can, uh, Jewel can easy or transmute artifact and Jewel can easily go in a slower deck or in a, uh, it doesn't, it does not have to uh, win on turn one. It can have force of will in it. And, uh, 
stuff like this happens way faster the more uh, exposure you get with your decks and uh, uh, the more people you talk your ideas through with and being a, being aware of what you want from your decks in general or uh, where do you feel comfortable brewing is extremely important uh, to get better yeah i think it's a good example because mind's desire is a great example of that concept that we're pushing right cast without paying its mana cost and storm it's two very very broken mechanics if something's gonna break a format break a deck get something banned it's putting those two things on a single card so that was mind's desire was definitely a powerful enough effect powerful enough card that you could feasibly say uh, there is a chance that this card can absolutely leverage and break this within a mono blue shell so let's try it and you know obviously the the results didn't wind up lining up with that but it it taught at least me and i'm sure a number of others uh, a number of things that eventually led to a very successful deck i mean at least two right it's uh, your your po list and your jewel list yeah the jewel is definitely um a little more in its infancy but it has benefited greatly from what we've learned through the po deck so a lot of the work was was already done which is yeah, and then it's like also like you mentioned, you know, Mind's Desire. That when that that came off, and yeah, I know people were excited, but I had some back like on you know the MTG subreddit, and I remember that I posted like like uh, don't hate me, but I'd be shocked if this made ripples, let alone waves. You know, like Galvanic really cost less and blah blah blah. And uh, but uh, you know, and I just just from looking at the card, and it's like everyone's like, my, I remember on, on Goat Bops, it was like a two cent card, you know, and that jumped up to like $6 or something. Like, they were thousands of percent increase because people were like, oh, mine's desire. And then, uh, you know, we all, people just gave it a shot. And like, oh, let's start with four. All right, three. And I can wish for one. All right, maybe like two. <laughs> maybe just like one main and one wish board. <laughs> it's like, it just, people are just like, the copium wore off. And they're like, you know what, this card's not very good anymore. <laughs> like, like when you, you could be doing coveted jewels, Phyrexian Metamorph, and you know PO. Like it's so much funny how it's funny how like the world has like you know the world changed. Like the format has changed so much that that's one card. Who knows how many other can come off? You know, without much of an instance, just because of all the powerful stuff. And then like one thing you said is like you know someone will suggest a card that maybe you didn't think you know would would, would work, and maybe you should try it. And it's like Legacy's card pool is fucking insane, right? Like how many cards are legal in the format? And it's just like it's um it looks like it's like it, it does become in that context i think it's like maybe pretty stale you know just because like, if you look in the context of the format where decks actually get created it, it's not that many and it's who's to say there is anything there but there has to be like something you know and that's sort of what like, keeps me going and like you know it gets me happy when like you, know, you see like this the deck we're going to talk about and it's taking you know a lot like how many of these cards are new you know what i mean like like in the past like couple years dress is new uh yeah what, what else is new not really too much a saga you know like and then broadside like, bombardiers just broadside to, bombardiers the big card yeah just to give our listeners a quick preview uh, i'm just gonna rattle off like four or five cards lion's eye diamond echo of Aeons, broadside bombardiers rasta thrust the tempest roar tempest roar the, the giant roar. dinosaur living wish burning wish gamble that's all you need to know. 
<laughs> and I, I do love decks with Living Wish and Burning Wish. I think that's a fantastic color. That, that was like yes. my Spellseeker deck, you know, and it was like Living Wish or Spellseeker. Now Burning Wish, you're dead. You know, so I, I like that you're able to like, you know, Living Wish for, uh, you know, the, your your lovely uh, creature tutors or your standard Burning Wish. It's uh, it's super fun just to be able to combine these cards in, in like a unique way that uh, I, don't, I haven't seen anyone else, you know, uh, did do the list that you, that you had. And uh, But Broadside Bondier is a uh, all right i apologize if it's a little bit choppy here we had some technical difficulties so we have forgotten the last thing that we said we're just going to jump on to the next thing here so uh you definitely want to ask yourself what is the plan vs the pillars of the format so a good brewer is going to have a plan right not just you know making the deck as good as it can be in a vacuum uh, although a deck like this that we're going to see today, that is a large part of it, because you're looking to play Defense Grid and play Solitaire. But, of course, other decks do have things to say, even when uh, it's turned zero for them. And so uh, you got to plan for that stuff. Um, generally speaking, I like to focus on the main deck first. Uh, and I know Philby also utilizes this strategy where initially the sideboard is just we just need something that's going to function and function well um and then once you start playing the deck a bunch then you can really start moving things around in terms of the sideboard Definitely. i mean today's deck has uh double wishes burning wish and living wish so most of the sideboards just uh, wish boards but, but we'll do things often like just play for Play line in the void. Play or here's a green deck. You even have you have the three force of vigor here. Um, playing and break trip traps. Yeah, forward. yeah. Just just things that are going to be powerful and useful, so that you're not just losing games because you don't have a sideboard. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, you just do your like uh, yeah, you do broad strokes. Like I, I, I typically like whatever. But I just like throw a deck together, and I'll, my sideboard would be like four, 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 three. Right, you know, right. for this, for that, like four for this deck, four for that deck, four for this deck, three for this, and then we sort of like, all right, how does that deck actually function? Oh, I really don't need eight cyber cards for this matchup, like I thought I would. So, you know, so let's let's do some changes, and, and I don't need endurances, and like for and Leyland of the Voids, you know, that's overkill for right now. Like, and then you sort of work through it. So that's think think that's that's genuinely probably the best strategy. <laughs> you know, like like just for 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 something that's newer, um, or like you know, you hedge and have like you know two of the pseudo same effects, you know, where like you want to have a little collect roof, a little null rod, a little force of vigor, a little this, like I, I've, I've literally gone like three, two, 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 you know, just to like sort of splatter yeah. it about. But, uh, and it, it, I've, I've never had it stick, you know, it's always just a, like, here's the, here's the first draft. So I don't get bodied by any of the combo decks. Let's try to rattle off a three, two, get the money back and sort of like try to <laughs> try to tune it from there. I mean, over time, you will come to your uh, custom sideboard. You add to most of your decks that uh, go in one direction. Um, I think uh, to maybe s sum up a little bit uh, everything we talked about, you have uh, you have to know your, your resources. And the, the biggest issue for most of us is time. Like uh, both of you spoke about uh, do reps, do this, do that. And a lot of people just cannot do all that, so they have to make cuts. And uh, knowing where to cut or where uh, to cut corners um, is a big issue. Like, uh, for example, the, the sideboard or the tuning the sideboard. Um, 
if you're having trouble getting into your first complete sideboard, just steal one from a famous streamer. Or if you, if you, <laughs> maybe these two. Um, if you're having trouble um, getting the reps in or getting uh, to uh, know certain matchups, just uh, try to watch streamers um, and just watch their combo matches. Don't watch every match. Are you suggesting uh, being a dirty net decker? No, not a net decker. It's, it's it's very different. You have to. I mean, yeah, I know, but <laughs> but um, uh, you have to take the available knowledge. Of course, if you're doing everything yourself, I like to uh, brute force stuff. I like to make my own mistakes. Um, I talk my decks through with uh, friends, and uh, a lot of times I I get su suggestions, and um, uh, in my mind, I'm not ready for that suggestion. So I make my own mistakes, and two weeks later, I come back to him and say, okay, you were right, <laughs> I have to play that card, or I, I should cut that card, it's bad. Um, but you don't have to do this the hard way, even if it's, uh, I'd say, more successful in the long run to do it the hard way. But if you don't have the time, and a lot of people won't have the time for that, um, you don't have to do it. It's just the difference between uh, perfection and very, very good. I... um. And maybe in some capacity I'm selling myself short, but I, I've always seen myself as excellent creator and just shy of as good as the best in terms of execution playing. And I, that's certainly the way that it was when I played Dota, and I feel similarly uh, for Magic, and one of the ways that I tip that scale for Magic, or at least push me closer to the, you know, best and putting air quotes up is playing a shit ton but does it um does it, is this uh, how you see yourself does it count only for uh, the average deck or for your own decks too so because i i have the the exact same feeling i think i'm a very good player i'm not not the exact same i'm, I'm not shy of being one of the best i'm pretty far off <laughs> but pretty far off. for yeah, you're, yeah, you're definitely, definitely. selling I, yourself I, short. Definitely. No, I mean for the decks I I didn't create myself. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like no, I'm, Riddler, I'm with you on that. I'm hands down the the best player in the world for that deck because I played at least a thousand games more than the mm -hmm. next one, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure of that. So and you're right again. You need the rats, <laughs> and then you get that. But that's a, not a secret. So. This next one I see as really important um, to just advance your progression through brewing, and I call it tune or scrap, right? The ability to recognize when a brew is either failing in concept or in its composition, right? So sometime, sometimes it's clear that the concept is just not good enough, right? The, the example of Mind's Desire with LED Echo. Um, and these are never really absolutes, right? Maybe there's something you just haven't thought of that makes that totally good enough, but at least <laughs> Matt's laughing over there like the, I'm huffing the copium over here. We'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to the LED Echo Minds Desire. Don't worry. It'll, we'll bust it someday. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I just haven't played it enough. <laughs> yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll do it, guys. Don't worry. They'll, they'll print something that's going to blow it, blow it right up. Don't, don't you worry, Minds Desire. 
we'll be together again. Like Lotus, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's important because I know you spoke of you know time and being such a valuable resource. If you can scrap something when it ought to be scrapped, and you can spend your time on something uh, deserves the time. If it's just a matter of composition, well, then, okay, let's tune, let's retune, let's jam, let's figure it out. Um, so, I, for instance, one of the reasons, I mean, this, this is one of the reasons that I've been able to make multiple um, successful combo decks, because, I, I mean, if you watch my YouTube content, Twitch, I, I've created dozens and probably over a hundred at this point, um, you know, reasonably functioning combo decks. But I don't spend weeks and weeks of jamming and trying to create a community and writing guides and on all of these decks because it's a concept i push it to a point and at some point i recognize whether it needs to be tuned or and i guess scrap isn't necessary necessary shelved not scrapped put it on the shelf come back to it right does as we talked about they print something or something else comes up that maybe you didn't think of whatever it is it, you do want it to be there you don't want to truly um shred it yeah i mean like i guess you don't want to like you said it's just it's utilizing your finite resource of time right and it's like you don't have infinite hours in the day and it's like not a lot of people like again you're trying to do magic full-time the people who are playing this you know they have lives right they have jobs like so if, if you're trying to if you're, if you're trying to and you realize it like it does not hurt like you said i wouldn't say like you know burn it to the ground but just, yeah, like put it on the back burner and try something else. You know what I mean? And then you can always, you can circle back because what could happen is through working on these other decks, you may find that key, like, wait a second. You know, in version 1.3, I was having this problem that this deck just solved. Let me try to sort of like merge merge these two ideas and come up with something that can sort of work out even better. I mean, Transmuted Artifact is what brought Jewel back for me. When Mind's Desire was printed, there were, I had a number of Jewel decks that I ran, even having scrapped Desire perfectly. So most likely, but uh, it weren't necessarily uh, great or good enough. Transmute artifact weren't in any of them. Yeah, and like you said, so they're on the shelf. They're sitting there, and all of a sudden, maybe yeah, you know, whatever clicks in your in your brain for whatever reason, you know. And then uh, you know, like you said, maybe you're in the middle of haggling over a car, and you're like, wait a second. Then then you're like, hold on, let me just write this down for my my screw. <laughs> <Yeah. room." laughs> like, yeah, circle back. You're like, can we transmute these payments? You're like, transmute artifact. Don't move. Like, <laughs> you're like make a note to like go home and uh, you know. And there you go. But but yeah, like you said, but that's why it's like there's there's plenty that you can scrap that are that you realize like all right, this was fun. I went like two three in a league. I won four this league. Like, and, and sometimes you're like at the end like you know there's something here. Like I feel like I'm missing a key. And other times like this was un this was not cohesive. Nothing worked the way I thought it was gonna work. Like I th let's burn this to the ground and pretend it never happened. You know, <laughs> and it's just sort of like differentiating between the two. So transmute artifact, I, I give most credit to. Uh, Preslov, aka Builder Burn, uh, who, because I, I had tested the card a little bit a while back, basically deemed it not quite good enough. It, w one of the big things is you don't get a ring trigger trigger if you get ring with it because you don't cast the ring, which is, you know, uh, a downer. But Preslov was always pushing the card, testing it, and just constantly telling me, like, I really think Transmute is, is good. I really think it's the real deal. It's been working out for me, you know, so on and so forth. And the both eight two-in-one EO decks from Eternal Weekend uh, North America had Transmute in them. And I do think it's it's totally legit. And, you know, wound up doubling back to, to Jewel and, and jamming it there. But kudos to him for sure. 
Um, I mean, one 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 big addition there was the uh, uh, what's it called the the double blue land comes into play tapped. Uh, Snapperson scary. scary. Yeah, right. That's probably the most recent thing that I've been testing just in the past couple of days. I'm still that's, undecided on it, but it's definitely that, not wrapped. No, yeah, that, that's something that we used a lot. Like, I was like, you know, me, I'm not like you guys where you sort of focus on the one. I was definitely like scatterbrain, you know, go after a lot of different archetypes or my ADD. I'll focus on one thing, do a like, play it a bunch and move on. But uh, so one of my kicks was on the Thought Lash deck. You know, so I was playing the the or the, the, which was probably like the closest to your strategies because it's like it, you know it could win very quickly. You know, like you, you have Oracle, you have Cavern, you could you could really do some messed up things. And uh, scary there was just busted. You know, you'd have time to you go like scary pass one tap, and you're like, all right, paradigm shift, Cavern, Lotus Petal, Oracle. You know, and it's just like like that little that little extra mana um, can matter a lot. So I remember playing it then. And uh, who who's the person uh, who like always plays that deck? Like Nos Nosman or something like that. Yeah, like, some, some, yeah right? they're, they're like a big combo person. And I, I'm in the Discord, and they're like, and they even said like, like they know way more than me about the deck. And they're like, you know, scary, like like you know, whatever. Uh, it's scary's trash. This and that. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like like maybe, <laughs> like, like you know, maybe I'll get lucky. Like I don't know. But you know, and it's like the, those to me are like so hard to evaluate. Where it's like almost like the matchups are so dependent on it. Like, is it like suspend one, you know, to get that mana? Like, is is it worth it? Is it fast enough in Legacy? But uh, but I remember playing the playing those types of lands in, in a similar strategy. I think blue it's is just, one of the only colors that can leverage it because you have so well. Otherwise, most of the decks that want that sort of thing are looking to go fast. Like, I don't like it in Ruby Storm. I always, you know, just beg people to not play it because I don't think it's good. Deck wants to it's. You know, setting up for turn two or three, which is in in line for Ruby Storm on their timeline, but the deck doesn't have difficulty going off turn two or three without the cards. Not like you need that card to go off turn two or three. That's not where the deck needs help. If anything, the deck needs to be able to go faster. And so, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. But blue is a color that can play a tap land pass, still do things. Get to blue, that turn, yeah. and blue mana is a whole different uh, game than uh, red or black mana. It's so easy to get a lot of red and black mana, but it's so hard to get double blue in Legacy. It, it's really underestimated how hard it is to get a consistent double blue in uh, with combo decks yeah. that are, that are not mono blue. Yeah, and like, I, I just. I just want want to add one funny thing, uh, Matt. You you said uh, it's busted. You play land tapped go. Yeah, yeah. Like oh baby, like like uh, like turn two. You wait. You know, is me going like crazy? You know, where you guys are like turn two? Like it's what, what are we even doing here? You know, that blank hey, though. I, I do get force will, you know, so it's a uh, yeah, turn two win would force back. I was not there, you know, whatever. For me, hey, for me, that's busted, right? Like, I, yeah, uh, I, I like, 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 I like to broaden my horizons, you know, you guys are degenerates, you know, like to just like beat up poor little fair players like me, and, uh, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so I put here strategize and in quotes in the shower. So, you know, basically just I. I'm strategizing about magic throughout the day, even sitting down playing magic. It happens all the time. When I wake up, going to bed, randomly throughout the day at work, whatever it is. Sometimes I'll have to like write something in my phone that I randomly think of. Or it's uh, I don't know if you've ever seen 
the queen's gambit and how she just like lays in bed and stares at the ceiling and basically plays through games of chess in her head yeah yeah i mean i do this with magic i'm trying to figure out something about a deck and just my mind is going you know 100 miles an hour about magic or i'm watching magic con it's i mean it's it's a severe addiction i will say i'm not gonna <laughs> I'd, I'm not gonna I'd, even, it. I'd, I'd even go that far um you can brew a competitive and successful deck if you can only uh, work physically on it maybe one day a week but if your mind is so convoluted with other more important stuff that you cannot do what you just described you cannot brew a, a, a successful deck in legacy yeah, it, it takes a lot of this volume of you know complicated thoughts. It's is pretty pretty high on average for a, a new good brew, and usually it takes you know more than one brain as well. Definitely, yeah. Um, do some targeted testing with a competent friend. This is something that I haven't actually like really done myself. Um, actually, I just had uh, Bob Wong was just asking me because he was. Like one of the creators of eight cast testing, playing PO against some of the touchups and stuff. Um, so that that'll be cool. But I I've never actually done it. I just I, it's definitely a good thing to do. So you know my version of that is just jamming on like leagues. But you don't always get the reps you want. You know. Well, I, I think that's like it's yeah like leagues are like moto is like the best. Really, it's the most practical thing anyone can use to practice. Right? Like that's just facts. Like. You do it anytime. You can do it alone. You don't need like to get a friend. You, you, you could switch cards instantly. You know, you could like if you don't own a card, you know, like you can't run out to a tournament and do it. Like a moto, you can get it right away. Um, and leagues are fine, but then also like once you get the challenges and like supers and stuff, you fear you face like really tough competition. Like arguably, like uh, if you're playing a moto, like. Like say this, there was a super this week, right? Whatever day that was, the super qualifier. Like and like you're facing 300 people. Like the odds, and, and like this is my my opinion. I don't have any data to back this up, but the odds are that you get paired into someone more difficult than you would at like a, a tournament you 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 went to in person. You know, you like because moto, you're allowed to face anyone from you know around the world. <laughs> like so you're facing people who want to play magic in europe or asia or wherever these like you're facing people who want to play magic that badly from any continent right whereas like when you're like oh i'm gonna play in new york you're gonna face people you know from like the tri-state area like depending on how big the tournament is and like the competition is tough so well you may not be able to like actively like be playing these reps versus the one person like you're you're gonna verse a pool of of very very competent players yeah for sure i mean one thing you can do with targeted testing is is say you want to work on the tempo matchup right there's only so many times that you're actually going to play against it in say moto leagues and not only that but that costs money right not everyone just has and picks a, a league to just keep dumping um I mean, it doesn't take much to to get it back, and but yeah, I mean, like, or, or, but I, I agree with like, if, if possible, to get someone who's competent. Like, yeah, like you're saying, like you need to get someone who's like a top tier player of this archetype, and then right. dedicate time to play to them. Yeah, that's great. It's just how realistic is it, you know? So I, I think it's a it's a great thing to do if you're able to, you know. But it's just not very practical for many people. Also, and someone may be listening, may not be able to just say, hey, but hey, you know. Hey Bob, do you want to like get some reps for a cast or something mm-hmm. like that? You know, like so it, it's 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 just if you can, awesome. You know what yeah, I mean? Like you, that's something you don't you don't need literally top tier like that, right? There are a lot of very good, not master, but very good 
players. You know, I if you good enough to learn from, good enough, yeah, good enough to like learn the interactions and everything. Right make sure local yeah, scene. Yeah, that yeah, could be. Yeah, it's... and and more so when I say targeted, I mean okay, I want to fix the temple matchup like, like, ar- on the draw. I do say like archetype specific, like and then go like break it down from there. Right, but what yeah. if you re- need to work on matches on the draw? Oh yeah, like like well, that's like even on you know when you play chess, you can say like I, I only want to play as black, right. right? Like like why would you want to do that? Like you- you're gonna lose. It's like well, I want to practice being black on the like essentially on the draw for chess, right? Like like even though like white has an advantage, you're like I need to practice black because my win rate for white is 55%, but my lose rate of black is, my winner is 30%, where it should be close to, like, 45, right? Like, to make up that difference. Like, I'm just gonna jam matches as black, right? So I just, like, uh, if I lose, it is what it is. I just want to learn. And, uh, but I, I've done that, like, when I used to play in, uh, paper, you know, before I had to sell my collection, uh, what we would do is, yeah, we'd, we'd jam games either, alright, let's play some, like, four games, like, pre-boarded. You know, like, you go on the draw, I go on the draw, okay, now let's play X number of games boarded. You know, like, versus draw versus draw. Play versus draw, and let's see. You want to see if you have enough cyborg cards. I want to see if I'm fast enough. Like, let's just like you know practice this out. And if you're able to do that, then God bless. That's that's amazing. I I remember the days when I could, when I could do that often. You know, like. Uh, but then as you you know get older, wife, kids, <laughs> it definitely gets uh harder to be able to do those types of things. But uh, if you're able to, it will 100% help you though. Um, make lists often and goldfish them. So one of the reasons I make so many different decks is because some of it is just, you know, what they say throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. You won't know unless you roll a lot of shit. <laughs> so I, I totally recommend uh, not getting too dialed in on just one. Sure, if you've found success and you really think you're onto something, great. But at least me, I get writer's block. I certainly can. And it helps to be able to bounce around multiple lists. And I think overall, it helps my ability to create decks. I mean, I, I've already told my, my opinion about goldfishing. <laughs> I don't do it, but I still su- suggest it for everybody. Game. Um, what is. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I, I don't do it because I don't enjoy it. And that's, it's it's another side factor. Um, whatever you do, you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy the brewing process. You have to enjoy losing. You really have to enjoy uh, losing. If you learn something, it's okay to hate it if you lose and don't learn something. Um, yeah, whatever. What, what I wanted to say, um, I think uh, gold fishing is great just to learn whether you deck works on a very rudimental level but uh if you goldfish like a a two turn three combo or something like that um it will work 80 percent of the time and then uh, as soon as you start playing you will face interactions you didn't think of before honestly mostly at least for me goldfishing is about just seeing openers Right. So when I say goldfishing, I don't even necessarily mean just in paper sitting there with your deck. Although I do prefer to do it that way because I like to, you know, I have a collection I've worked hard on. So it feels good to draw the cards and look at the cards. And so it is actually enjoyable and fun for me. But I'll, um, you know, occasionally I only work at work. During when I'm clocked in, I'm working hard for my company at all times. 
do anything of what I'm about to describe. Hypothetically, one could one could take their phone out and and go on Goldfish, go on Stream Decker, on um, what's it called, Moxfield. They have these little things where you can just you can open up a hand, a different hand. In fact, in Moxfield, you can even play out the handle. It. but mostly it's to to for me to get a feel for what the openers look like you know i might make a build and say this is going to be the fastest deck in the format this is crazy like look at these cards like this is going to be perfect and then you open up a hand and you're like well that one's uh, unlucky you know that doesn't oh i just need one more thing and then you open up a dozen hands and you're like okay none of these actually <laughs> you know, turn one or you go play one league and you it's an absolute banger and you just cruise right through it and then you play three more leagues and all of them are just an absolute disaster and it, you can kind of see that if you just look at 50 openers there's a I, I guess what i'm saying is you can learn a lot just by looking at a large set of for a deck especially some of these combo decks that that we're playing so you know focused on the open um, a good indication of a good brew is that others are also having success with it and quickly, right? So, you know, although Jewel's in its infancy, I will say for PO, very quickly, a lot of people had success with it. So explain it. It's not just like, like, for example, the Epic Gamble is a deck that uh, I had a lot of success with, and it was as a res result of... I do think with a deck like that or even the riddler that type of deck you got to play a lot like there's a lot to those decks things that you just don't know until you until it comes up and it comes up rarely and there's a lot of those little things and so a, a lot of people have not a lot of people have had difficulty with those decks the you know these these high um high ceiling um but pretty low floor punishing decks you know you, waterfalls you, you know you make one little mistake and well now i have no cards <laughs> you know yeah so, sometimes it's uh, i uh, use the the bauble at the wrong time and that's why i lose the game and it's pretty good. rough bauble's a dumb card good <laughs> <laughs> um i am a big proponent of combos that give you free wins so that you don't have to work for every last scrap and i know obviously i've built these like degenerate combo decks but even the ones that aren't fully degenerate you know things like um kind of the pseudo control decks right they have that aspect to it what's the green enchantment the four mana green enchantment deck that plays the creatures for free flash in alert learn there you go there's, there's a good example or uh world gorger you know there's those control piles that just like have the combo in it um so that you have this inevitability or so that you have this this chunk of free wins uh you, you don't like over the course of a long tournament there's a lot of endurance to it right your own mental endurance and if you're playing you know hats off to the people that play these long control decks truly control throughout a a long tournament like that but i think it's a very easy way to get significant bonus points 
playing a deck that does have at least a portion of free wins because it it frees up a lot of mental energy matt is actually dying right now he just choked on nothing and he's we're probably not going to see him for the for the rest of we'll announce his his funeral <laughs> uh listen to you guys talk about these decks that you don't have to think for just kills me <laughs> that's what it is whereas like mine i'm like you know i want to torment myself i want to have the most bullshit loops to jump through like hoops to jump through like my like that stupid spell seeker deck i'm like oh so on turn seven if i have a lotus field and a thespian stage and a spell seeker i can like combo kill them that dies to spot removal awesome you know like as opposed to like the guys like oh all right turn one turn one defense grid no all right you lose idiot like go get a hot dog <laughs> like get out get out of here scram skedaddle yeah. like go, go get some chicken tenders at the convention center but of course you can only I, do that if you've successfully controlled the game for seven turns as well in a Yorian pile. I have the, the middle ground bet between the two guys. I, I like my decks um, to have a, a lot of free wins, um, but I also need these uh, grindy, uh, you win turn 12 or something like that, um, because your, your deck had so much resilience against their hate, and they may be boarded in too much hate or stuff like that. And these long games, they keep my my attention level high in bigger tournaments. Because if you if you always play like ten minutes per match, um, you lose focus. Yeah, it can certainly happen. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I was playing the bug beans and the super, which is like a nice like you know people apparently timed out with it. Like to me, like I've been I was doing okay with it. You know, like not like I I think the closest I got was like eight minutes on clock when my opponent was in like two minutes, but uh. I remember it was like, all right, like this deck's good. It'll, I, I'll try to take like 20 or 30 minutes and then I can like, you know, take a break and come back and like, you know, always have it like where it's not like too, too quick. Um, and then I was facing opponents and I, I won like two, two matches in a row with, in like 10 minutes playing like a control deck. And I was like, uh, what do I, I was actually like conflicted. Cause I'm like, do I want to like start a league match and play, which <laughs> I know like Tony, you do like, like, do I want to do that? Or do I want to conserve my mental energy for the, for the actual tournament? And it, it on Moto, especially like when you have like you could just like fire up something real quickly, where like in paper that would never be possible. You're like, um, should I do that? Like, is it worth it? Is it worth expelling the energy? Like, you're like, I need to keep thinking about magic. I want to keep thinking about the strategy, but I also don't want to overload myself and be tired, like mentally fatigued for the next round. You know, so it was like it's like finding that nice that nice balance. I mean, the, this goes into a, a quick tip section. Like, uh, do not overload yourself mentally. Uh, for example, what, what I do to overlook myself and then uh, do stupid stuff like F6ing in my, my whole turn is I uh, switch between the game and uh, YouTube videos, articles, stuff like that. And only come in for like two seconds to do my stuff. And that leads to your F6, uh, don't realize uh, opponent have an answer or stuff like that or you skip the whole turn uh all of this has happened to me the classic uh degenerate led echo player uh excuse me would you like to join me in a game of solitaire <laughs> i mean it's i i play echo and i i tap out and then i'm waiting to hear the sound of force or <laughs> of draw seven <laughs> that happens That's almost every game if your opponent only knew the disrespect, imagine, imagine yeah. sitting across from your, from your opponent 
you play a defense grid, you say, go ahead, it's your turn, and then you turn to your right and start watching a YouTube video. <laughs> no, no I'll tap. I, I don't turn my head. <laughs> well, if you were in person. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's even better. Or you just pull you pull your phone up, basically. You start looking. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I have to shuffle. That's, that's what I said. Uh, no, I only said it to you. I hate shuffling in... Uh, ah. In person, <laughs> it just called so, a judge over to shuffle every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so sideboard tips. Um, I want to say know your deck's role, right? So you know, different archetypes have different strategies when it comes to sideboards. Um, you know, you have a wishboard. How much space should you actually devote to your wishboard? Whether it's Karn, Burning Wish, Living Wish, you know, whatever. Um, here we have Living Wish and Burning Wish, so that's pretty cool. And I think it makes sense to... Well, well we're going to get to the deck soon. But um, it can be a trap... I mean, for Burning Wish decks, it can be a trap, right? Just making your entire sideboard uh, a, a wishboard. There are ways that you can expand your wishboard, uh, incidentally, right? Cards that can be gotten with Burning Wish, but that I bring in post-board. I do like to do that with cards such as Void Snare, all those <laughs> yep, Thought Seize is another one that I always forget the name. The one that kills enchantments or creatures and you lose life equal to its cost. Yeah, I don't know the name. Oh, um, the fuck is that card? I know exactly. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Ah, oh, I hate it when this happens. I feel kind of silly. Yeah, feed the swarm. Feed the swarm. Feed the swarm. Yeah. Jesus Christ! What an MVP! <laughs> How fucking clutch are you? Yep. Yeah, it just allows for access. Uh, in the very unlikely event and but mostly it's there to be brought in and it allows you to vary things like card cost card type card name a lot of cards that care about that sort of stuff um but yeah so do you have a wishboard is it transformational uh is transformational largely a trap yes most of the time yes um oh, oh i remember one thing real quick that was just the most funniest of the time. thing, yeah, yeah, that's one of the funniest things ever happened to me. I had this buddy who he—it's funny, ironic, because he was like someone who dealt more than anyone ever. He was playing like a blue-white Omnitel deck, and he was wearing some Death and Taxes, and his sideboard was to transform into like Stoneforge Mystic. You know, they bring in Devlin Silence and Thalia and this and that. And he just goes like turn two Stoneforge. You know, it's just like <laughs> this is like before Culture. It's just like batter. They just couldn't do anything. They excited out like all the swords and all their removal, and it's just like. Like a batter skull and a GTA from an Omnitel deck. And the opponent like picks up like one of his cards, like looks at it and like throws it back at him and just like signs a slip and walks away. Just like <laughs> rage quit because because of, because like so, so if you're more interested in tilting someone than winning, <laughs> transformational sideboards might be what you're looking for. <laughs> uh, another sorry, an, another thing about uh, sideboarding is knowing how much sideboard cards your deck can support. And uh, <clears throat> a very important uh, point is, are you the fast deck or are you the slow deck? Do you have to react to opponent's hate cards or do you have to um, play hate cards yourself? Because if you have to re react to opponent's hate cards, with every card you add to your deck that's just there to remove hate cards, uh, you weaken your combo. So you should not bring too much stuff in and on the other side if uh, the opponent plays combo you can 
cram your deck full of hate cards from your sideboard, but you should know that if he's if he got another slower plan like Ursus Saga, you might not not find an answer to that. Yeah, it's like the old thing, are you the beatdown, right? It was like the iconic article, except it's like, are you the LED echo player? Or, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know the new age, uh, like, you know, the turn one win version of that is, but yeah, it's like knowing your role and assessing and, um, and that's, that's just so important. For example, uh, I played a lot of uh, decks that had uh, two chain of vapor, or LED echo decks that had two chain of vapor in the sideboard. Um, but I ended up cutting that plan in most cases because two Chain of Vapor is just too much for an Echo deck. Because you spin through your deck and you don't want to draw Chain of Vapor from Echo, so it's just a, a way to weaken you instead of uh, strengthen you against eight pieces. Um, so I wanted to talk about one-ofs. One-ofs in the sideboard. Now, obviously good for, you know, wish boards. Um, there's a couple instances in which I think it sense, right? Or a few. One, if you're very cantrip heavy, this is why tempo decks, control decks, they can get away with the one-ofs because they can find them when they want and put them back on top of their deck or shuffle them away or whatever when they don't want them. They can find them a, a reasonable amount of time where it is justifiable to really spread their, their sideboard out. A lot of silver bullets. Um as well as cards that just draw a lot of cards. So this is an LED Echo deck, seeing a ton of cards. Um, or something like 8-cast or, you know, PO that's just in more of a linear fashion, just draw twos and PO and whatnot. They're going to see a ton of cards. So it can make sense to play a lot of one-ofs. And also, um, this is a strategy that I personally like to use where say I want three of a card or an effect, instead of running three Echoing Truth, I will run maybe two and one of something else, or one, one, and one, uh, so that I have still have three of the effect, but there's differences enough such that I can mix and match depending on what the matchup is. So let's say I have six or seven removal cards, right? And it's literally all one ofs. Uh, but in a certain matchup, you know, one, two, six, and seven are good. And different matchup, three, four, and five are good. You know, whereas if they were just three Echoing Truth and two Chain of Vapor, whatever, then there might be a matchup with all five of those are great, but against a few other matchups, they're not ideal, and really, I want something else. So there's ways to make one-ofs work. Um, I feel like sometimes people just play one-ofs to play one-ofs because they see it, they think that's what they're do and i don't think it always sense it's common enough because there are enough tutors and trips high velocity draw engines where most of the time it is appropriate but it's just something you definitely want building decks does it make sense and that's all yeah, but, i had yeah. go ahead yeah, no, yeah i mean like it just like yeah to your point it's definitely um also it's just hey like this this isn't a huge percent of the meta or i don't expect to face it a bunch but i want to have one answer for it you know what I mean? That I can mulligan into or I could do something for. And um, the, the the bug beans list that I played was from a, a Japanese player, uh, Japanese, uh, you, I forget the exact name. It said it's on my Twitter. Um, but they, they wrote a, a, like a sort of a detailed reasoning why. And so I, I copied and pasted their deck like five minutes before the tournament. But, but I realized I'm like, wait a minute. 
I had a, uh, what's the card where your opponents gain life and you destroy all enchantments? It's it's like a... Reverend Silence? Re- Re- Reverend Silence. Oh. So there's a Reverend Silence. I went 7-2 in the showcase with a Reverend Silence on my sideboard. And uh, they said it's literally just there for, like, beans and binding. Because they were, like, they were expecting a ton of it in the tournament that they played in. And they're like, I want to play it for free. And if they binding, like, your bean or something, you're actually getting, like, this value, right? Like, you're getting your beans back, you're getting these ETBs and stuff. So that was their reasoning. Like, I just want one, and if I, you know, I only want it for one match. And so I would have taken it out if I played it. I probably would have put it on, like, a Force of Vigor, personally. But that was their mentality, and they came in second in a 230-person tournament. You know, and they faced... They ended up facing beans a couple times, and they were able to get like a three or four for one, you know, which is which is huge, and it's it's zero mana, right? Which is nuts. <laughs> so it, it's, legacy legacy zero mana cards are good, right? So if you can get something back, but there there was an example of that I just personally, you know, experienced of just like having a one of. Yep. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to the quick tip, uh, and I do want to mention we are certainly going a bit longer than we normally do. Uh, too bad. I'm enjoying myself. I know these guys are, so uh, you're just gonna have to suffer through it. So moving on to the quick tip, which has been prepared by Killaby. Uh, I know you kind of alluded to it earlier. What do you got over there? Now you can eat. Yeah, it was uh, just uh, stay mentally focused. Um, if you notice that you're uh, drifting, uh, your mind's drifting away, just take a small break instead of uh, fumbling cards, uh, reading on an, an article, stuff like that. You Sometimes you really have to reset your mind and uh, get a little bit of rest between games, uh, especially on uh, Magic Online, but also in paper. It's always good um, to get a break from the game just for maybe five minutes uh, before you uh, think about more magic and then come right back. Yeah, maybe instead of swapping bad beat stories, like get to the, get to the bathroom, grab a snack, you know, go get some fresh air, do those things with haste first, um, you know, and- then maybe go talk to your friends and swap bad beat stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when I played in a like the Legacy Pit that one time, and I was like, hey, and it's been a couple of years. I'm like, you know what I want to do? Like, so we got in the town. Like, let's go to the whatever the supermarkets around here. I got like a thing of trail mix, like you know, bottles of water, this and that. Where I was like always like having something you know of sustenance. You know, like if you want something, you'll know, be able to get your electrolytes in. It was just such a huge deal. You had a very underrated electrolyte electrolyte powder in your water, or, or just something make sure you get like like get those that really uh that really helps and make sure you're not hungry when you're hungry like a lot like this isn't true for everyone i know some people say like they thrive when they're hungry or like they could but <laughs> i was saying typically if you're hungry you're not 100 focused on on the task at hand especially magic magic's a fucking complicated game you know what i mean like like i say like like there's no other way to say it. it's just it's a tough game your matches are tough your opponent's gonna be tough uh you know there's a million cards to think about there's a million things to think about so like we, just just cross those things like of being hungry and thirsty off the list you know like it's easy enough to do like there's enough other things that'll like you know could tilt you for the rest of the day so those are the ones you can actually handle you know like you could you could resolve those preemptively so that's just a a a strat i'd recommend for sure for sure all right we're gonna move on to the rant of the month so we're chatting and trying to figure out what to do for this one and then uh it clicked for me because i cannot stand i cannot stand it don't shuffle my deck don't don't do it don't take don't do not take your grubby paws and grab my deck and shuffle it 
and all casual like like it's no problem like i am going i i will grill you the entire time you're doing that with this seething look on my face that clearly states do not do that again and i'm pretty sure i've been successful at that because no one's ever grabbed and shuffled my deck a second time it's I, never happened to me. I definitely did in the top eight. I never <laughs> knock on someone's deck. I always shuffle. But well, that's I, different. That, that's a top eight. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking. I was like, you know what? I should have done. I should have had like a peanut, like a bag of Doritos on the side of the mat. <laughs> like, did you see me like gnawing on these Cool Ranch Doritos? Like, oh, is this a grim monolith? Let me go look at a look at this. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I remember uh, my first vintage tournament. Like back in the day when I owned vintage cards. Uh, yeah, I bought. I had bazaars however many years ago. So my like. I got them for like a hundred dollars. They were cheaper than duels or whatever at the point. And, um, I was like, like rifle shuffling my deck. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't do that with anyone else's, you know, that was just like me. Cause of, like when you're, once you're dredging and your, your cards get all clumped, you know, whatever. I wanted to make sure it's completely random. I would write and the horror that they had looking at me shuffle my own deck. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> like, can you not do that with my, like, like are you going to do that with mine? Like, no, absolutely not. Don't worry. Like, I'm, I understand your deck's expensive. Like this is mine. Like, you know, like, you treat yours, yours, I'll treat mine, mine, but I'm going to respect yours better than I treat my own stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like don't worry about it. I, and, I, uh, <laughs> I miss when, like, during COVID, where it was basic, you just, you literally didn't touch your opponent's stuff, like, at all. 100% not at all. Like, you, you cut it in front of them, or, you know, your opponent can tell you which pile to, however you, you, you want to set it up. You know what I mean? After I shuffle, I always cut it as I'm putting it down not that i'm recommending that you don't cut your opponent's deck but i think you know cutting it multiple times changing how you cut it when you cut it there are things that you can do that totally like it doesn't matter your opponent could have successfully just stacked their deck doesn't it doesn't matter if you're gonna go and cut it whatever random way that you're gonna cut it every time you know i, I just i feel like there's no there's really no reason to be entirely picking up your opponent's deck and shuffling because not everyone shuffles, you know, you shouldn't have to have that worry of, is my opponent going to destroy my, one of my cards right now? Like, were they picking their nose a second ago, or like, before the match, you know, they washed their hands. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible to me that it's even allowed, honestly, with especially how expensive it, the decks are. Like, it's, it's crazy to me. And if you do it, I'm going to uh, just know I, I want to stab you in the, <laughs> when it comes down to. <laughs> I'm fantasizing about just just slight, you know, slicing your trachea. No big deal. No big deal. That's just twenty uh, percent of the hate you're letting out right now compared to what you did <laughs> earlier when <laughs> yeah, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, it. You're you raged way more uh, talking about the yeah. yes. Than, uh, well, I'm trying to keep. We, trying to keep the cast you know pg-13 at least so uh there there were yeah y you can insert a number of uh, we'll, we'll call them colorful expletives uh, how's that many f-bombs were were dropped put it that way fucking shuffle my deck all right <laughs> just don't um okay so we are going to move on to the spotlight have it right in front of me here so per usual i'm going to quickly go through the list and then we'll uh we'll get into it so we have four ancient tomb one Basaju who endures that's the green land that can channel that thing is sweet one taiga or saga so that's the mana base there total of 10 lands do we have imprintable mdfc lands we do not. 
basically have a full set of spirit guides in place of that so super fast uh, but moving on to a full set of chrome mocks full set of lines eye diamond or petal for opal for gamble or defense grid or burning wish uh, i'm seeing one land grant and i'm seeing one once upon a time that's one of those things that i would imagine is just upping your land count by this one that you need um and smoothing things out with a once upon a time although that one i'm gonna have to ask you about but three living wish three broadside bombardiers uh like i said the full play set of both simeon and elvish spirit guide um i'm gonna read broadside bombardiers at this point i'm sure most people know it but it's new enough where um so good this card is so good it is uh, one of the cards that is responsible for goblins being like a legit deck right now so broadside bombardiers it's two and one red it is a two two it is a goblin pirate sweet it has menace it also has haste and it has the ability boast which by the way if you have bergy in your deck you can boast twice just saying no bergy in this deck but noted just you know put that yeah. in the, <laughs> jot that down um so it has boast which boast is you can activate only if this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So this is an activated ability that as soon as a creature has attacked, as soon as this creature has attacked, okay, so it has to be Broadside Bombardiers that, that attacks, um, you can then activate this, this ability. And the ability reads as Broadside Bombardiers deals damage equal to 2 plus the sacrifice permanence mana value to any target. So basically you can fling... Uh, artifacts and creatures uh, one at a time per turn provided you attack with broadside bombardiers which uh, works well with Rasta tempest roar let me tell you but moving on to the last few cards here we have of course the three echo veons there's three in the main one on the side and three Thrasta tempest roar now if you ask me what does this card do don't look at it and tell me i'd give you a very vague uh response so i'm gonna read it uh thrust the tempest roar 10 one zero 10 total of 10 and two green so total of 12 there it's a legendary dinosaur uh it's a seven seven this spell costs three less to cast for each other spell cast this turn so what you cast three or even four spells and then it only becomes two green mana it has trample and haste so seven seven trample haster and it tramples over planeswalkers this creature can deal excess combat damage to the control of the planeswalkers that's pretty cool I, it came up like two times in yeah. maybe 80 games <laughs> but, like, but when it came up it was really cool it was sweet <laughs> Uh, and then Thrasta Tempest Roar has Hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. Oh, that's pretty cool, too. Damn, this thing is juiced up. If you haven't seen this artwork, please, even if you're driving, pull out your phone, search it up, and look at it. It is that sweet. You should be risking your life in your car right now to see this, this artwork. It's badass. No, don't do that. Uh, so sideboard, Void Snare, one of... One Echo of Aeons, one Thoughtseize, one Tendrils, one Peer into the Abyss, one Grape Shot, one Broadside Bombardiers, one Empty the Warrens, one Fury, one Endurance, one Thrasta, that's that badass dinosaur, one A Progenitor Ooze, and three Force of Vigor. So the sideboard is entirely a wishboard aside from Force of Vigor, comprised of, of course, sorceries for Burning Wish and creatures. Uh, no lands, but just creatures for Living Wish. 
Now, I would imagine the general uh, gist of this deck is it's an LED Echo deck, of course, coupled with Gamble. Uh, it has the sidestep of Urza's Saga and a defense grid for protection, as well as just um, being able to, I always call it double threat, uh, which is a, you know, overloading your opponent. Sure, you have defense grid as blatant protection, but then also if you make two plays that are potentially lethal on the first turn, then uh, that's as good as doing something like grid into lethal, right? Um, and when we are not echoing and gambling for echo, we are killing our opponent by making enough mana to peer into the abyss, or Living Wish can also get Thrasta, but the end goal, other than just having enough storm to kill him with tendrils off of Burning Wish, is uh, casting... A lethal Thrasta. When I say lethal Thrasta, I mean, first off, it's already a 7-7. Grapple, haste. Uh, you can only have one of these, so it's not like you can stack them, but if you put one into play, you hit them for 7, and then Bombardiers does 2 plus 12, that's 14, plus 7, that's 21. Right. That's uh, how we win. I'd say, win. like, uh, <laughs> maybe 30% <laughs> of the time is uh, Thrasta Bombardier. That's the the others being just grind out with uh, either saga thrasta which are uh, strong by by themselves um sometimes you just drop a thrasta turn one and the opponent doesn't have an answer it's uh, tough to answer a seven seven uh, in green <laughs> uh mm. if you don't have uh, swords or snuff out or stuff like that uh, Caracas, of course, being uh, another way that could be answered. But overall, um, I'm going over the brewing process now. Um, I just uh, saw Bombardiers and I wanted to break it because, well, n not only uh, I, when I first saw the card, I already knew uh, it, it's kind of broken and uh, right off now, this is the only card I could think of getting banned in the near future. Um, and if you've played Magic Online in the past, I don't know, two or three weeks, you might have noticed a lot of uh, Turbo Maxes and or Turbo Goblins and a lot of uh, Red Blood Moon Prison uh, mashup decks. Um, initiative decks, of course, and they all run Bombardier because it's just so strong. And I wanted to break it, so I went to the Gatherer and I searched for big creatures that I can cheat into play, or big permanents in general, and Thruster is the biggest that can be cheated. Or, I mean, cheated, it's actually just what's on, on the card, so it's not a cheat. Um, I mean, it's perfect. It's literally tailor-made for this. Yeah. Definitely, it uh, it swings by itself. It's a threat by itself. It's green. I always wanted to make a green storm deck because that opens up Force of Wigan and Bosejo, and both of these cards are okay. so good for combo decks to uh, protect yourself from uh, from almost every hate card. I mean, I don't consider stuff like a Force of Will or Force of Wigan real hate cards in that uh, turn because they don't stop you they just delay you uh, but stuff like you can kill Narod, you it's incredibly tough to kill Narod uh, with any non-green deck 
I mean, you can bounce it, but re just remove it is uh, uh, really good. It's, it's just so strong. And uh, you can uh, finish off Chalice of the Void, you can uh, finish off uh, Ley Line of the Void, or the, the Void cards. Uh, so you really want to have Force of Vigor in your deck if you're playing green and you're a combo deck. That's also why I'm playing the uh, or it's another reason why I'm playing the land grant and the once upon a time. Um, I have one each because I want to be able um, to catch uh, spirit guides or thruster or broadside bombardier from once upon a time on turn one. Um, another neat thing you can do uh, is actually cast once upon a time for its mana cost, then drag your LED and then uh, cast the creature. It's it's more of, of, of an all-in move, but it's nice to have or to be able um, to go for, for a somewhat Hail Mary to get your missing piece or just anything uh, to keep you in play. I will say the stack overall, you will have to mulligan down to four more than in any other deck that I have played before. Um, because you're, you're really dependent on action turn one. If you play the stack and you think, um, I can keep a hand that has just mana in it, you, yeah, you, you won't, uh, eventually, um, you will get frustrated because, uh, well, we have gamble, four gamble, three living wish, four burning wish. All of that is action, but it's not, um, echo. it's not enough. Hmm? And echo. Of course, and Echo, yeah. Um, but it's not enough to win on its own. You you need like uh, you need turn you need to beat your opponent on turn one, or you need to hit him so hard he cannot re recover on turn one. Um, an exception is Zaga because you can always go and uh, trample over your opponent, and after he has uh, used up all his removal on your constructs, you can cast Thruster, stuff like that. Um, yeah, but it's definitely a turn one, or uh, not a turn one kill deck, but it's, it's a, I want to establish a board turn one that my opponent will not recover from. So I have a few questions. One? Can I yeah. play this Tuesday night on the Epic Storm YouTube? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um... Uh, <laughs> and then, so there's two things that I notice right off the bat. One of which I understand, and I think I agree with, um, that being Saga. So for me, usually a deck that wants to go this fast, especially turn one, it's not even appropriate to play Saga, because if you're winning or losing the game on those turns, then you're essentially just putting a one mana card that only produces colorless, you may as well be playing either a colored, you know, fetch land, dual land, or just playing city of traders. However, see that there is a aggressive but somewhat fair um, aspect to the deck by just simply having broadside bombardiers and artifacts, as well as, uh, you know, just dropping a Thrasta 7-7. So it does, I would imagine, greatly increase the range of keepability from the hand, or from the deck. However, I would, it's certainly worth testing City of Traders instead of Urza Saga, because this is a very fast deck, and would would help a lot. But then the other thing I noticed is no Veil of Summer, and... 
like for instance like a deck like the epic gamble i didn't play veil of summer because essentially it's a mono red deck that couldn't really support it it wasn't it can support it and successfully but it still just wasn't as good as playing mono red and was there was already of course you have defense grid but uh galvanic relay is an example of a card that was basically protection because it's so difficult to interact with so you could get away with it whereas here um we only have defense grid is disruption and of course we do have brute force but it seems like that's what you're mostly relying upon have you have you tested veils or other disruptive elements is it more so you just need to go fast and the deck does go fast and hard enough that brute force does work out i mean it's it's a valid concept. I, I use it in plenty of combo decks myself, especially Ruby Storm. There's no defense grids. I don't think it's correct to play the defense grids. It's a difficult thing to um, calculate because if you play, def uh, for example, if you play defense grid in Ruby Storm, like it's going to be successful. It's a good card for the deck. There, it's very small margin where I think it is better to not than it is to. Um, but it's close enough where it's difficult to quantify. I guess is is my. I mean, um, and your experience. All of these points were pretty valid. Um, I start with uh, Saga. Um, I've not tested uh, what's it? Sorry, a city of traders here. Um, but I've tested more tigers and other uh, green mana. Uh, then I try to play uh, whale with that because I think if you are playing whale, you need more green mana sources. Though these come together a little bit. Um, so let, let's say we are playing uh, whale and more green mana sources. Uh, it's still kind of tough to cast thruster because you need uh, three green mana and that's, that's a lot. Uh, on the other hand, if you're playing whale, you have more uh, chances to hit force of vigor from the sideboard which is also a good thing well yes um, yes and no in my experience most of the veil matchups you're not bringing force of vigor in and or that most of the force of vigor matchups you're taking veil out so it's kind of a, a trap to, yeah you're right i've, yeah, I've fell into that trap before you'd count your but, green count and then really yeah. you're taking the veils out probably yes um however the uh the thing that kept me off whale is my game plan is to echo one or two times per game. So if I'm adding whale, I have another card that does nothing on its own, like defense grid, like all the lands, like uh, land grant to, yeah. to an extent. I mean, land grant is at least uh, a spell you cast for free. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't. Red has the benefit of going into play, which is yeah, and right. So yeah, that, that's also my thinking. And if I'm playing whale, I'm only playing it on top of grids because I also need the grids to activate Mox Opal because the artifact counts quite low. Um, what I want to say, it's I think it's possible to play whale, um, but you have to restructure the whole deck for it. It's not, I, I don't see a possibility to put in Whale in this version of the deck. Um, but if you cut Sagas at other lands, maybe two City of Traitors, two more green sources, then maybe cut once upon a time. And I don't know on the spot, 
you certainly could fit whale in, and uh, it would have to be tested. Yeah, if, if I were to do it just shooting from the hip, I would cut once upon a time, I would turn the sagas into cities, except for I'd be playing three cities, and I would test out two whales. The, the one thing I'll notice is that, like, like I remember earlier in the conversation, you say how, like, the first thing you do is you want to look for a way to win like, turn one. And then the first no, thing you no, do is... Not, not, not win. Uh, establish uh, a position from where I'm most likely to win. I, I mean, every deck, deck does, does that, but let me rephrase. I want to hit my opponent or I want to, uh, to pose problems for my opponent that he cannot solve. Yeah, your turn, turn one, one play turn is gonna win the game, not necessarily win it all. You know, it's like, it's like to, to, to your point of like say like when I think about like trying to win this quickly versus like when you have the saga, like you said, versus city of traitors. Like, what what enables you to have like more of a problem for your opponent? Like, you know, being able to have that extra mana that turn and the extra mana the supplemental turn or the threat of the construct. Right? It's it's that balance. It's, it's, it's that balance. It's also uh, turning on lines I don't. Um, three, I mean, like, yeah, like, like again, on turn three, yeah, like, yeah. like it, it's, it's, uh, are we thinking that late when you, when you both in the deck are saying, okay, like, I'm, I'm fine trying to get LED on turn three. It does help overload. Like, okay, I can do my thing with this opener. I have an echo as well, but I don't have an LED. But if this stuff doesn't work out, my saga is going to turn into an LED, and we can go again. Yeah, like he has to answer uh, saga in some way. He has to answer my other threats in some way. But but listen, it it does neuter your turn one capability. Uh, all, City of Traders, especially yeah, when you're trying to resolve broadside bombardiers, there's a lot of colorless mana that you're trying to cast. Like you're going to be casting Peer into the Abyss a lot more often with the cities. Like playing Soul Land into Soul Land is you're going to be casting Defense Grid on turn one a lot more often. That's all. Uh, that's sort of like I was just like looking at like when I. I and I felt that from the decks you've played where you're like, yeah, I'm trying to kill them in turn one. Right? Like, that's like what I heard, and that's what I feel when I play you. are like, oh, I'm going to die this turn. Right? Like, that's sort of like it. And when I see, when I see City of Traders, especially like game one, I think I'm like more scared than Urza Saga. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like when, it, when you go City, I'm like, that, that extra man, like, that extra man can mean so much that I don't have enough time to interact. Whereas, like, the Saga is like, oh, if they're just trying to go on a Saga plan, that one turn is like huge for me as the opponent to like, get my own combo going or to you know be able to combat it it's yeah it's it's, it's not like uh i don't see your point or i don't uh i i, I wouldn't mean, even say uh I, i'm right uh, not, not playing uh not playing city of traders right now it, it could be different oh yeah it, 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 you, your answer could be like well the, like the math is that like you know that percentage yeah. like the percentage no. increase on turn one of me winning with that city isn't as much as the games i've won with saga you know what i mean like like, like mathematically like I, that's just a sacrifice i have to make to be able to win these these games with like and it's also like saga's a main deck card but maybe it's like post board saga's your best card you know what i mean like even though it's your main deck card because now you're like forcing them to have all their plows in when you're just like making these tokens and you also have a combo finish so i don't know the answer i'm just thinking of like yeah. you know devil's advocate and it, it makes more sense because of the the thrust and broadside the fact that some of the hands are not you know you're dead on turn one they're put some very aggressive threats on the board turn one but and then sagas to follow up so that okay maybe they can answer those things but then they get 
they get hit by Saga. That that all makes sense to me. It's not 100% clear whether that would be better than City, but uh, yeah, early yeah. on... You know, as I was gonna say, like, like I'm sure you're not even a fraction of the way in the matches that you have for the Riddler. You know what I mean? So I'm sure there's there's worlds of testing still to to, to be done. Yeah. I will say that the composition looks uh, stellar. It looks so, so sick. It yeah. looks it looks so sick. Like like me I, looking at this, I see like like the only cards that are questionable. Yeah, Saga, Land Grant, Once Upon a Time. Like those are the only cards that off the hip. Maybe the number of living wishes and burning wishes. Like that's really it. Like like everything else. Like the the concept. Like the guides, the bombardiers, the thrastas. Like the idea of like it's so clean when you have like the three thrastas, the three broadsides, and the living wishes to be able to tutor the fourth copy it makes it so clean to just to have the three of the each. And the same thing for the echo. You're only gonna want three because of the board. You want the eight spirit guides. You want your gambles. Like maybe like one. Maybe you do want one gamble on the board or something like that. But your deck's so fast. Like you, maybe you just board it out. Like post board to be able to tutor for it like but like out of the list there's like 50 plus cards i think are just like so good that they're pretty hard to change yeah definitely um the once upon a time is the weakest card uh followed by land grant and yeah. so i'm a genius okay yeah, yeah your, your analysis <laughs> is, is quite good i also would say uh saga comes next but saga is so difficult to evaluate it's so powerful. It's just it, it's, because it, 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 it wins so many games. Like yeah, I have, yeah, and, and well. it, it wins games that could not have been won any other way. Especially um, with all the the red decks that play Chalice with the Void right now, and people know me, and they always play Chalice and Zero. Sometimes, or, or oftentimes, they just keep stuff like um, uh, Ancient Tomb, Chalice. No red mana. Play Chalice Go. And if I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure in this deck I still could go Thrasta some way. But having Saga makes these uh, matches or games easy wins. Yeah, it's uh, a sweet deck. I look forward to playing it. I might play it once we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great example of uh, I need help with this deck. Uh, I think I need people to test stuff out, uh, test the number of wishes that are needed. Um, I would post it in the uh, Storm Discord if, if I were you. You can make a new uh, sub-channel there in the other Storm section. Yeah, sure. I, I will do what that. Are you, what are you calling too. it again? Uh, Yoshi's Island. Oh, I, I didn't talk about the name. Um, it has a lot of flavor because we've got the, the big dinosaur, right? The Thrasta, we got the little red guy, Mario, and Thrasta is to be sacrificed, just like in the in the game. We make our big jump swing with uh, Bombardiers and Thrasta, and then we sacrifice our Yoshi and throw it in the opponent's face. And that's how we win. <laughs> uh, another point, uh, the fact that uh, Bombardiers has menace is so important not just for this deck, but uh, for the car in general, it would be a lot less broken if it didn't have menace. Yeah, it makes sense. You can keep attacking with it. Yeah, and you, and you can uh, wait with your sacrifice uh, until after combat. Because if you uh, if it didn't have menace, a lot of uh, times the opponent already has one blocker and then blocks, and you can cannot fire thruster before. Uh, after he dealt damage. 
Is there a reason there's no relays? Um, really bad with spirit guide. Yeah, in my first iteration, I had I think one relay main and one in sideboard, and I ended up cutting both. Um, yeah, spirit guides suck with it. Egg of Eons is bad. Thrusta sure. is kind of bad too. Yeah, no, I mean, the Thrusta, Thrusta is like the one I could see, like, you know, you could definitely pull off the next turn, but the eight spirit guides for sure could, yeah. could be a reason why. It, I just wanted to sort of talk about a card that has been like an auto inclusion, like these type of decks, like why we shouldn't be playing it. It's tough. There I, is, I there really is some tension. It's good with Echo. I know you said you referenced Echo as good with it. There are spots where Echo isn't good, but Echo is one of the cards that actually breaks Relay. Is it, you, you, you can spin your wheel, and as long as you net three mana on your new hand um, and a Relay, you probably win the game. I just had an idea. Tell me if this is dumb. It might be dumb. I don't play these decks. How would a Bergy in the board be? Because you can Living Wish for it and then play the flip side? Like a, like a Bergy board? Like a Boogie board? Like yeah, exactly. But imagine you imagine you living wish for Bergy and play the flip side of it. Like that sounds like with the echoes, that sounds so disgusting. Or imagine you boast twice, dude. There's nothing we can boast with. Oh yes, we can. We can. I actually yes. like, my auto response is why are we boasting? But we actually can. So honestly, I think a Bergy should be on the board. Like I'm not trying. Like, like, like then you could call. No, it that's Bergie legit. Board. That's legit. I think that's a good idea. Oh, just or done. I, I mean, mean <laughs> three at three three or four hours in, but we we finally made it. <laughs> Uh, the the problem with Bergy I'm seeing is it generates red mana, which I I mean I need red mana, but I need either blue or uh, or green mana to come from the cards when I'm comboing. It so, sounds a little bit weird when. when no, no, I, mean, I, mean, like, 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 I, I, in my mind, I'm almost treating it as just always plan, like, like, just essentially always plan on it being the horn. Like, like, like it's, it's, it's a good way to pitch your echoes. It's a good yeah, way to get card but, advantage, like, for top deck mode. But if you treat it just as the the horn, you already have uh, 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 the ooze in sideboard. No, but I mean, like, like the the, re the reason that like ooze so is also in the five, ooze, five mana color slot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been like, but ooze requires you to have something beforehand, right? Whereas like you can just like play a horn, untap, and then try to like win with no cards in hand. Like you just draw, go from your draw phase and try to yeah, like paint right. things together. Like I get, I get, you know, we're talking about just wishboard cards. I'm just thinking of something that's sort of like the fact that Living Wish could give you this sort of artifact that's giving you this advantage is just like you know something that, that that's that's unique anyway. Like whether or not it's good, I, I'm not I'm not telling you it's the end all be all, but like if, if I'm not sure if you have tested it and it was terrible or if it's you know no, just it's, in theory you didn't like it. Sounds legit. I don't think I ever put Bergy in Two Storm decks, but I could have. <laughs> right like it's it's such a funny way to like think about like i i was just i don't know how it crossed my mind as i'm looking through the i'm like i'm making my own tweaks to like if i wanted to play it i'm like oh cut the once upon a time cut this like maybe an extra wish i'm like like uh too bad like i'm like wait it's like <laughs> i got my silly zeus storm decks with the you know they make a bunch of squirrels and then you use guy's cradle to generate a bunch of mana and i play living wish obviously in some of those decks and bergy would Damn good. Yeah, so just that's my input. <laughs> it's, uh... Maybe send me a, a, a list of the on that deck because I have another idea, but um, let's not talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll probably test some of that stuff for uh, Tuesday night stream. That's that's about it. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add? I think we're uh, 
Well, uh, just happy new year. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. And, you know, hope you're looking forward to like, you know, this is our, this is uh, the last one of 2023. So you'll be hearing in 2024, the first one you're hearing and hopefully there's many more to come. I mean, I am in 2024. But we, Europeans aren't really. 4 a.m. for me. (laughs) Uh, We're living in the past. Yeah. Look at look at this new age Killaby, huh? And <laughs> the it's Killaby from the future. Let's pretend just for a second that Europeans are actually people. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my resolution was longer podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you already made you made your new, new resolution fucking three hours in. Like. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. It'll be a little bit shorter after editing. All right, that's that's it. We're gonna. We're going to shut up now. Have a happy new year. It's all re- I mean, by the time you hear this, obviously, it's going to be well into the new year. But I uh, hope the start of your new year goes well. See y'all next time. Keep brewing. This the bruise of paradise. Come a connoisseur is going to share advice. Well, they'll sleeve it up. Shuffle at the pub. Going to spice it up. Great shots of doubles. Tony Chaponi perceives the mirror. Sees the future. Always crystal clear. Yeah. Punishing waterfalls. Let's always again. Powerful Jedi on my knees walking. Riddle me this. Who's a killer bee? Fiddling with broken legacy. Finding outcomes that are so paradoxic. Those LEDs were lined with toxins. So many rubies. You think it's Tuesday. Bruise on tap. That's a draft. Can you say reforce the soul? That's busted. Pack it up. Savage look. That's so disgusting. Well, that's busy. Vision hazy. Thank you for the follow these crystal days there for the republic we combo off letting so many beef stroking off flashback echoes sip prosecco bit of bubble burning wish for tendrils dark and stormy always gets me horny for a goblin orgy that's empty warren the bruiser